Street, across from the historic Chicago Theater. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Carmen and Yurka, live from the Old National Bank State Street Studio on WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago, a good Karma Brands radio station. This is breaking news on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. All right, so it looks like we have one of the NFL head coaching vacancies filled right now. All the big NFL insiders are letting us know that former Colts head coach Frank Reich is being named the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers, Yerk. So Reich, who actually was once the uh, quarterback for the Panthers way back in 1995, will return to Carolina. Well, good for Frank. Lands on his feet. Congratulations go out to him. He's out of the circus that was the Indianapolis Colts, where he was just kind of left scratching his head when they benched the quarterback because they didn't want to pay him a bonus. Yes. That's what it was. Yes. Matt Ryan. He had some bonuses that were going to come due, and they didn't want to do it. And you wonder, too, if they were trying to manipulate it, knowing that they were likely not going to end up in the playoffs. Were they in a spot where like, they were trying to tank without tanking for a potential right. higher pick? And right, they're right. picking fourth, and they seem like a very, possible, uh, a very decent possibility for a trade partner for the Bears if things work out in the Bears' favor. That means that the uh, Cardinals, Broncos, Texans, and Colts are the four remaining teams who still have head coaching vacancies right now, but Frank Reich is off the board. You were mentioning Sean Payton and how you think he could be somebody who would get the best out of Russell Wilson if he lands in Denver. I wanted to know from you, if you were advising Sean Payton of those four spots that I just mentioned, because listen, I think he is in play for all of them, but it's also possible that he could go back to Fox for a year and wait it out and see if another job opens up that could be a little more appealing. I wanted to know from you, What's the best landing spot of your Sean Payton? Right. Give me Denver, Houston, who and who? You've got the Arizona Cardinals, who have Kyler Murray, of course, signed up to a long-term deal. You've got the Denver Broncos, who yeah. are, you know, they've got Russell Wilson going forward. They just had a new ownership sale. The, uh, Wal- the uh, Waltons of the Walmart family took over. Um, sounds like they're willing to spend lots of money there. You've got the Houston Texans with Cal McNair, who's yeah, a bit of a, a crazy, yeah. uh, interesting He's the owner. kid that doesn't know how to run anything. Nick Cesario is the uh, GM there. Right. And then, of course, the Indianapolis Colts. Those are your four open spots. Um, don't know if I haven't really heard him, you know, linked to the Colts, but the other three spots are all locations where he, he also did interview with Carolina. So he's been in the running. He has a Super Bowl, of course, with Drew Brees, and uh, he's... In, in order. Yes. In order, I'm going to give it to you, of what jobs he should take. Can I also? Add, can you also add in sitting out a year as a possibility? I will. Okay, go ahead. In order. In order. Denver, Indianapolis, Arizona, Houston, okay, team-wise. Mm-hmm. Then I would put sitting out a year after uh, the, the second one. Indianapolis. So you would say the Broncos, Colts okay. are both. Denver, Indianapolis, sit out a year. Arizona, Houston. Interesting. Okay. So for me, I think Sean Payton might be best if he sits out for a year based on the fact that the Cowboys and Chargers are both franchises where it looks like if they don't get the job done very quickly, that would be a perfect landing spot. And I think those are franchises that are better set up for Sean Payton. But I will admit that they could very easily turn into – turn into situations where if they do well, they won't be open. Right. So, so 
Yes. You're voting that he's going to sit, sit out, out, stay with Fox. What's next then? What's what's after Fox? Yeah, what what's mean? after sitting out with Fox? If He'll he doesn't sit out with Fox, you have to still give me an order. You oh. don't just get to get to deny me. My, I gave you that five. Is fair. It's I think, an order I agree. of five. I agree. I think the Broncos are, for me, I think he sits out a year. It would be my choice. The Broncos would be second. And then at, after that point, I think I'd rather be with Cardinals or Colts. Definitely. Well, Your choice. You know what? Whatever I, you think. I actually think, based on them having the second overall pick, I think I would probably put the Texans as the third spot. Okay. And then I would go... Then I would go Colts, Cardinals. I don't so want to be you, a part the of the Cardinals. Cardinals is the last. So you yeah, don't want I, Kyler Murray. I think yeah, Kyler Murray has shown you at this point that it's going to be difficult to win with him. Sean Payton has done it with smaller guys, though. Yes, you're right. And he was a smaller guy himself when he became a top ten passer in NCAA history mm-hmm. when he left Eastern Illinois. So he's been able to do it with diminutive individuals, and he's done it as a shorter quarterback. So to me, being a short quarterback with Sean Payton is not a disadvantage as it might be with somebody else. In fact, if anybody's going to figure it out with the short quarterback, right. it would be Sean it Payton. It would be Sean Payton. I will say that... So that might be an advantage for Kyler Murray if Sean Payton... And I think he'd be able to settle Sean... I mean, uh, he'd be able to settle Kyler Murray down a little bit. So do you, do you think it's too risky then to sit out and wait on the Chargers or Cowboys to come open for a year. It's just, it's not I, worth I, it. I do. I think it's risky. I think you find of the group that's left, your favorite situation, your best situation. Remember, Shanahan was an Eastern Illinois guy, was in Denver. Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan. Yes. Was an EIU guy. Kyle's dad. Right. And, uh, and, and Sean wasn't there shortly after Mike Shanahan left. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much Shanahan influence has with the new group that's there, but he's got influence with Elway. Yes. So if, if there's any influence whatsoever playing out there, it might be let's get another EIU guy, another Eastern Illinois guy in there. Hmm. Um, interesting. And I think Garoppolo, and they're not going to do it in Indianapolis, but Garoppolo in Indianapolis, to me, would be their answer. But they're not going to do that again. But it's at least it's a free agent thing. If they wanted to get Garoppolo and then get a young quarterback and the- bring him along with Garoppolo, that, to me, would make the most sense down there. So it's very interesting because, yeah, the quarterback, uh, you know, musical chairs that's going to go on in the offseason is something we'll be tracking all offseason. And... We did have another domino fall that I think could lead us to an answer of where Aaron Rodgers places football next season. Earlier today, we got word that the former Broncos head coach, Nathaniel Nathaniel Hackett, Hackett, who famously was the OC in Green Bay before he got the gig in Denver this past season, and of course is one of Aaron Rodgers' closest friends. And so we're all reading tea leaves now because there's been, you know, rumors about Aaron Rodgers potentially being traded by the Packers this offseason. Do you think if you had to throw a percentage on it based on the news coming down today, Nathaniel Hackett, the new Jets OC, what's the percentage that Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay next year versus being traded? 75-25. 75, you think he'll be back? He'll be back. 25, he'll be traded. 75-25. Three quarters. By the way, that's the least uh, the, the percentage, the least percentage I've ever had about Aaron Rodgers coming back. Even all the years he complained and did mm-hmm. this and did that. I always have him coming back 99%. This has been lowered to 75% where there's an actual possibility that Aaron Rodgers might leave. The hard part for, I think, the Jets, the the line you have to walk is if the Packers are actually going to trade Aaron Rodgers in the offseason, it's 
much more realistic if they do it after June 1st. Right. If they trade him before June 1st, there is, uh, they have to take on $40.3 million of dead money in 2023. If the Jets can you know, make a handshake backroom deal, you know, figure it out. This benefits the Packers. This doesn't benefit the Jets. This benefits the Packers. Correct. But if you're the Packers and you're actually willing to move right. yes. Aaron Rodgers, right. I would think you'd want to do so under it's the June best. June 1 deal. That way next yes. year it's $24 million. Correct. After yeah. June 1, they would take a $15.8 million this cap year. in 2023, 24.5 in 2024. Yes. So they can spread it out over two seasons. Right. And, of course, they've still got Jordan Love. On his rookie deal in his fourth year this year, they could pick up that fifth-year option. That with already him. needs to happen. It needs to happen now. But I'm saying they would pick it up in yeah. right now, knowing that you know they're going to do it. And my guess is they'll and listen. That fifth-year option for him, I believe, is about twenty-one million dollars. So I was going to say, is that will that if would that be the Packers telegraphing if we find get word that they do pick up Jordan Love's option? Yeah. Can they theoretically do it? That's and, their still bring, net. and still bring back Aaron Rodgers next year. Right, they like, can because the fourth-year contract is already there. It's the fifth-year contract correct. that you're making the commitment the for all the deal, big yeah. money. Yes. Yeah. So, yes, you could do that. You could. So, it, even though they might... they. They'll pro- I would expect them to pick up the fifth year option on Jordan Love. Well, if that if they do pick the fifth year option, that's the that's the safety net. That's your safety net. That's yes. the Packers safety net. Okay, that's what we have. Even if we say goodbye to Aaron Rodgers, the only problem is if the only if once you pick up that fifth year option, makes it very difficult to envision envision a scenario where Rodgers would still be on the team with Love in the following year. Right, one of them would have to be traded. Yes. The following year, you yes. can't carry that much money Absolutely. at that position. So yes. that's an interesting way, uh, interesting bit of news that we got earlier today. Nathaniel Hackett going to go to the New York Jets, and I, Yerk, but it's got to be like you, there's no other reason to bring Nathaniel Hackett in if you're the New York Jets, is there? I mean. The way it played out in Denver, it was an absolute... It's the relationships that you've had over the course of a coaching lifetime. Mm-hmm. So that comes into play also. Because you have, may have had some past experience with somebody on that Jet staff uh, where they say, hey, he's a pretty damn good coordinator. You know, some guys, Dick LeBeau was a, a yeah. coach. Yeah, yeah, who yeah. Dick LeBeau was the greatest and coordinator Cincinnati. you could find out there. But then he got the head coaching he gig the in head Cincinnati. Coach in Cincinnati and wasn't a great head coach. Mm-hmm. Went right back to being a defensive coordinator. Was a great defense coordinator. So maybe just uh, Nathaniel Hackett was overmatched as an OC, but the, or as a head coach. But as an OC, you've seen him. Right. Although we've never really seen him do it without Aaron Rodgers. You know, with a you know, and if he goes to New York, they do need to figure out what they're going to do on offense because that was clearly, you know, their Achilles heel. They're last bugaboo. Year. They're they're a good team with just a bad bad offensive. You know, a bad bad offense, and obviously the quarterback is the primary reason. You know, they had some decent. They started out okay with uh, before Brees Hall got hurt, and Garrett Wilson was an excellent rookie wide receiver for them. But they clearly need to fix their offense. And if they do that, though, I think they very well could be in play for next season. One of the teams in the AFC that you're concerned about. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Let's try John, who's in Naperville. John, you're on Carmen and Yerko Meller in for Carm today. What's up? What's happening, boys? Uh, just wanted to say that I. I think getting rid of Justin Fields this year is practically career suicide. He tends to be a fan favorite right now in Chicago because he's pretty good. I think he's earned another year. But the biggest thing is right now is acquiring as much draft capital as you can. So moving out of that first round pick to where if we have a mediocre season or a bad season next year and Fields isn't the guy, mm-hmm. we can still trade up to grab like Caleb Williams or something like that along those lines and get the guy that you want in there 
who I think is going to be a better quarterback than the three guys that are in the draft anyway. Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting point. Like, is Ryan Poles approaching this exclusively as I just want to build the, the best uh, roster going forward? Or, you know, is the human nature element where it's like, is he a little bit concerned about making a misstep and he doesn't want to expose himself? Because trading Justin Fields definitely does put you out there, you know, makes you a little bit more vulnerable. Just so we have a definition of what a mediocre season is, mm-hmm. Jacksonville, Tennessee, Detroit, Green Bay, they all had mediocre seasons. All this, of them. This year? This year. Interesting. They all had mediocre seasons. Okay. When it comes to their record. But because okay. of where they okay. play yes. and how yes, they yes, play, yes. Yes. because you win your, your, is, your division title, all yes. of a sudden people are smiling upon you. But no, your regular season was mediocre for all four of those teams. And because of expectations at the beginning of the year, what people thought were going to have, they want to redefine these records that are within a game of each other. They want to redefine them and they want to put their own adjective on them to describe what they are. Mm-hmm. But they were all mediocre. Hmm. But if I'm Detroit... I feel real good about my mediocre season. If I'm Green Bay, I feel terrible about yep. it. If I'm Jacksonville, I love my mediocre season. And if I'm Tennessee, I can't stand my mediocre season. All mediocre seasons, though. Sure. All of them. Just so we get an idea what the definition means and how people and how individual teams feel about their mediocre seasons. I guess there's different types of mediocrity. I think there is, though. That's right? all I'm going to say. It absolutely, yes. it, it's always about expectations right. and where you're but setting them. as long them. as we know, though, yeah. they're all mediocre. And listen, it's also about the timeline of your franchise and where yeah. you're at, right? Yes. Like, if you're the, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers being traded away, your franchise quarterback, you know, and moving off of him. And you have no idea if the guy behind him is the answer for you. Whereas if you're Jacksonville, you're, you're feeling really good after winning five in a row to close out the season sure. and then advancing with a comeback win against the Chargers. Your season feels not even... They still feel me- like yeah, I agree, but still mediocre though. Okay, but it's mediocre this year. But the of number course- is always mediocre though. Average is mediocre. Sure. Okay, an average season, one game above five hundred at five, one game below five hundred mm-hmm. is the epitome of mediocre. Completely agreed. All but right. it definitely does feel different when you advance okay. to the uh, divisional round of the I'll playoffs. Give you that. Right? I'll give you that. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. If you'd like to discuss that, up next it's Thursday, which means it's your chance to win and play. McKnight at the Movies. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. Carmen and Yurko are back. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's Home for Sports. McKnight at the Movies. Connor McKnight recreates classic cinema on Carmen and Yurko, only on ESPN Chicago. McKnight at the Movies is brought to you by the Village of Elmwood Park. And today we've got a gift card to Cafe Cubano. So if you are the first correct caller when we unveil the clues from Connor during McKnight at the Movies, you will win yourself a gift card to Cafe Cubano, Yerk. I'm about 1 in 37 against Carmen. Carmen seems to get these. I, I get one every blue moon. Maybe once every season I get one. You think there's a little shenanigans going on? Or no, him I, and don't, Connor, uh... I don't at all. I think Carmen really is. 
kind of takes, fit in. Takes pride in. The, maybe they have similar tastes too. Could be, could be similar scenario. Hmm. I mean, I I, 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 think I see a, the movie I in my mind a, when it's being described. Sure, but usually it's the wrong movie. I think there's a bias against you, Yerko. I think that's I don't how think it's so. working. I do. I, I do don't a think bit. so. No. I think it's biased against Yerko. I think Connor's. You know, he's not playing into your wheelhouse enough. Well, you don't need to play into the couple, wheelhouse. A couple of baseball nerds, Carmen DeFalco and Connor McKnight. I'm just trying to figure it sync. out. I'm just trying to figure it out. That's all I'm trying to do. Well, now, with that said, Jeff, uh, Yurko, good luck today. Because oh boy. when I put this in, I said to Abdallah, I go, well, first of all, I don't think Carmen or Yurko would get this one. Uh, Jeff, I think you have a fighting chance. As long as it's not Banshee of Insurance. <laughs> How was that movie, Yerk? Oh, boy. I'm telling you. Our scene opens on a man with no finger. Yeah. Oh, that's that's what it's about? Spoiler! Yeah. Wow. No. I, it's, you can't really spoil, like, Oscar yeah, bait movies. The first, yeah. And especially if you're giving us the first 10 seconds, it's probably not much yeah, of a spoiler. It's not, that's ten, it's not the first 10 seconds. Uh-oh. Spoiler? Yeah. Come on. It's not, but, Stella? like, again... Like, no, it's Oscar bait. No I, one cares. I told Yerko, before we get to Connor real quick, uh, I told Yerko, I've been waiting to pull the trigger and hit the button on uh, Banshees for the last probably two weeks. Yeah. I haven't actually had, though, the... Uh, I thought it was two and a half. You said it's under two and a half, though. Yeah, uh, you need to have an Oscar palette. You need, that's the palette. You've got means. a cinematic Oscar okay. palette. That means you've got to like Oscar movies to be able to willing to sit through an Oscar movie. Because this was clearly made for nobody else but the Academy. So, but... This movie was made for the Academy's consumption, and that's it. Top Top Gun Maverick is nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, is that an Oscar palette movie? That movie is five thousand times more entertaining <laughs> than but Banshee of Insurin. They're both nominated, so I still don't I still don't have uh, any clarity as to what an Oscar palette when is. When you but... come when you come back mm-hmm. when you come back, I would say uh, Top Gun is a non traditional Oscar nomination. I, yeah, I'd agree. There we go. All right, well, uh, let's get after it. The first clue from McKnight at the movies. Here we go, guys. Our scene opens on a strange, bracing image. We see four men, three in a group, and one making his way past them, stopped along a road. There is something extremely odd about the fourth man, this interloper, and our main character can't help but exclaim and ask this stranger what's going on. By all rights, this guy should be embarrassed. Hardly the case, though. As he explains his situation, he seems resigned to his fate, even accepting of his horrifying circumstances. As he explains, it's clear this guy has brains, even a reputation. Our main group of three is totally unaware of, of his fame, and it makes sense. It doesn't look like any of them can even read. Hmm. Oh, boy. This does not give it away. Do any of the Twitchers have it? No. No. no, no Twitch got, does not have This is going to be this. tough, man. I think this is going to be one of those. None of the Twitchers have difficult. it. This is going to be tough. What might help is if I find something out about the actors. Here we go. Part two. A bit on our actors. Oh, what a group. The main man is an Oscar winner and one of the stars of the 2000s. Our passerby is another huge name from the decade who had a little lull, then a rise in the MCU. One of the sidekicks is an Englishman, a member of the Full Monty. The last, one of my all-time favorite actors. He's Wash, Steve the Pirate, K2SO, and Pastor Veal. Oh, also, Rufus Sewell plays a fantastic baddie in this. Oh boy, I'm not. Uh... So Yerk uh, and Jeff, we we have a winner. All right, someone has called in already. They have it. Nobody in Twitch has it though. Uh, Project Fifty One. I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> All right, clue number three. Here we go. Back to our scene. While our trio of commoners may not know what makes this English lit legend famous, it does seem he has a skill they could take advantage of. This day and age, things are rough for common folk, but a noble. 
Well, that'd be a step in the right direction. This whole movie is kind of a case of stolen or at least mistaken identity, perhaps borrowed, whether that's commoners becoming knights or editors laying rock and roll over training montages in medieval tournaments. We'll find over the course of this movie that despite its early 2000s cheese, it all kind of works. And you could argue that if this movie hadn't worked, we don't get the Dark Knight the way it played out. Hmm. Hmm. All no, right. it's a precursor. No idea. A precursor. I do not have it, but I believe we do have our winner here on the line. See, in in Yurk, uh, w- was I wrong in my assessment on whether or not you'd be able to get this? Like yeah. this one, this yeah. is tough. That, that's for me. It is. All right, Brian, clue us in. Brian and Schaumburg, I believe, has the correct answer. Let Yurko and Meller know what is the movie that uh, Connor McKnight is giving us here. That is a Knight's Tale. Okay, Heath Ledger. All right, I, I have to say I'm going to plead ignorance. I never saw A Knight's Tale, but I cannot wait to hear the scene that Connor was breaking down for us, right? And congratulations, Brian. You yourself are a winner of a gift card to Cafe Cubano for uh, being the first correct caller. So thanks, man. <laughs> you guys. Are we going to get the, the reveal? Yeah, yes. the look from Yurko is incredible. A Knight's Tale. <laughs> Yurko, th- this is this is awesome. Shout out to Connor for, for today's yeah, well, Ignite the Movies. I've been stumped. I've seen it. Have you? I've seen the movie. I just can't place it anywhere in the All movie. Right. Here's the reveal. Morning. Morning. Hey, sir. What are you doing? Uh, trudging. You know, trudging? To trudge? To trudge the slow, weary, depressing, yet determined walk of a man who has nothing left in his life except the impulse to simply... Soldier on. Oh, were you robbed? <laughs> uh, interesting question, actually. Yes, and then at the same time, a huge, resounding no. It's more a sort of involuntary vow of poverty, really. But, you know, on the brighter side, trudging does represent pride. Pride, resolve, and faith in the good Lord Almighty. Please, Christ, rescue me from my current tribulation. Ah! Who are you? Lilium interspinus. The lily among the thorns. Geoffrey Chaucer's the name. Writing's the game. Chaucer? Geoffrey Chaucer, the writer? What the hell is this? I was going to ask you guys. uh... No, I write with ink and parchment. For a penny, I'll scribble you anything you want from... Summonses, decrees, edicts, warrants, patents of nobility. I've even been known to jot down a poem or two of the Muse descent. Probably read my book, Book of the Duchess. What are we Fine. listening well, to? It was allegorical. Wait for it. Well, we won't tell that against you. That's for each man to decide for himself. What? <laughs> what the hell? Oh, I was waiting for the punchline. No, there's no punchline. You were talking over it. Abdallah. No, there's no punchline. Yeah, that's not a punchline. There's no punchline. It's where I was told the the clip, the cut, and uh, that that's uh, Connor's so, selection there. We I mean, might not be allowed to do the segment <laughs> ever again. A Knight's Tale grossed 117 million dollars at the yeah. box office. Well, you know in why? Heath Ledger, because May. Heath Ledger was the heartthrob. He yes. did Ten Things I Hate About You. Uh, this. Sure. Yeah. And then Morning. he wasn't so much a heartthrob as Joker, you know, because like he was made What's up that? and all that kind of stuff. But like, yeah, McKnight at the, the Patriot may have just Patriot jumped the shark. Was that the final one? 
That was a good McMillan well, we, at the movies. We still have our fine, fine <laughs> partner in all the village of Elmwood Park. Yeah, no doubt. Yes, it may have jumped the shark just there. What's uh, crazy is that the winner was the first caller. The first person I picked up was like, "Yeah, Knight's Tale." Like, what? what? <laughs> How? How? Fifty-nine uh, percent enjoy a Knight's Tale on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It does receive a audience approval rating of 79%, though, so I guess most people who watch it... I, I always wonder, though, do you think most people are just easily pleased when they watch a movie and they yeah. vote? Because I feel like they the ratings... Yeah. I'm always like put off a little bit by I feel like they're too. the approval rating is way too I, high. I was going to say Pride and Prejudice mm-hmm. with Kira McKnightley. Sure. I mean, Kira Knightley. Yeah. Um, I, um, I, I, wow. Kira McKnightley at the movies? Yeah, McKnightley at the movies, Morning. exactly. Morning. Hi. Morning. All right. Wait, sir. I, Connor's got a niche, apparently. Well, I'll uh, tell you what. I mean, the, uh, this we is wheelhouse. I, I think the newborn's gotten to Connor. Yeah, We're, that's... Uh, <laughs> I think the newborn wow. has finally broken Connor. Do you think he was just like, oh, God, I got to get he's one of these together? He's been sitting at home uh, watching me. He's like, what was the last... He just, he's just going through the guide. He found the first movie that was on. It's on, like, he, FX or something. He, <laughs> And he literally just narrated what he was watching. He was like, all right, yeah. All right, guess we're doing this one. Let me hit record. A nice A little bit about the actors. We don't know anybody in this one. Sure. All right. This is a C-rated actor that's been in nothing. Next guy is an F-rated actor that you might have seen in a Razor commercial. A bit on our actors, so... We've we've clearly uh, (laughs) underestimated the popularity of uh, Chaucer. Morning. All right, so there you was go. the guy from the Full Monty, the fat one, that didn't want to yes. do it? Yeah, yeah that yeah. was him? Yes, Because yeah. his voice was last. Yes, yes, yeah. it was. Yes. Good call, Yurka. Yeah. All right. That I, once I heard that, then I knew it was. I still couldn't place the movie. Clearly, Connor is much more cultured than us, us heathens over I here. I was going with Robin Hood, Prince hit of a, Thieves. Hit a blind spot. I was hoping it was well, Hangover. This was he a said blind four spot guys. For us. I was like, maybe it's Hangover. But then I re- quickly realized, yeah. Yeah. of course, uh, Chris would know that we would have a shot at that one. So. Yeah, you, you, I think you no, guys. No, I know, that I know. I, when, yeah. when he said, when you said, when he said four guys, I was like, ah, huh? no. Well, Jeff, I I couldn't figure out whether or not you were young enough to have seen the movie when it came out. Oh, like I, Abdal and I are of that. Yeah. Right. No, I, so I like was. I figured you were. I, and was, I but, but I knew that Yurko definitely wasn't. But I. But de- Yurko, you've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. You Only died. because of Heath Ledger. Yeah. Huh. All right. All right, my, then. My kids were small at that time. So sure, sure. I, so I you were showing them a Night's Tale? No, five and three, so they're frolicking. I may have had the TV on and saw a Night's <laughs> right, Tale. There you, you know go. What I'm saying? It clearly left, a, left the, an impression on in, you. In, a, in the midst of a winter, winter day's crawl, mm-hmm. I may have been checking it out. All right. All right, there you go. All right, let's get you set up for Championship Sunday. I, how do we recover? How do we get I, the you know momentum how we recover? Going? We go to Vegas and we check in with Todd Furman and ask him what we need to know about Championship Sunday. We'll do that next here on Carmen Yerko. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Carmen and Yerko are back. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. Jeff Meller in for Carmen today on Carmen and Yurko. Black, you didn't even give us the reason why Connor chose to go with a Heath Ledger yeah. well, a Knight's Tale. Uh, in uh, Connor's note, he said, uh, this week in 2008, Heath Ledger passed away. So he was honoring Heath Ledger. Also, we mentioned earlier today, we've been, of course, talking about the anniversary of 
the Bears Super Bowl win in 1986. Of course, the historic 85 Bears season. Bears! Concluding with that coronation, today also is the third anniversary of the death of Kobe Bryant. Of course, much more sourful, and, uh, but did want to mention that because... Of course, this is uh, an anniversary of that date as well. So a uh, terrible, terrible day for a lot of folks out there who, of course, knew to, you know, grew in love Kobe Bryant and his, uh, you know, his career. So, of course, untimely death far too soon. and Absolutely tragic. But um, so a couple of anniversaries uh, that we were discussing today. Do want to, of course, talk to Todd Furman as it is Championship Sunday this week, we've got the conference championships. We've got, of course, the San Francisco 49ers visiting the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC. And we've got the Bengals and Chiefs as the nightcap in the AFC. And I'd like to start there, Todd, as we bring you in here, because that one to me is, of course, the main course. And what I am I think most people are going to be far more interested in because of the quarterback matchup, Patrick Mahomes versus Joe Burrow. And, of course, Mahomes is dealing with the ankle injury. So, Lay it out for us how this game has, how it opened, and what's been happening with the line because of Patrick Mahomes' health status. We have seen a ton of movement and volatility on this game as a result of the uncertainty around Patrick Mahomes. This game opened with Kansas City right around a field goal favorite at a lot of shops. You saw a total as high as 51, but we'll call the consensus more along the lines of being 49.5 as there was increased pessimism around Mahomes' availability, uh, availability, lack of mobility. You saw the Bengals end up moving into that two, two and a half range. When things started to change a little bit, Andy Reid sounded more bullish on his availability. We saw him at practice yesterday. We are now back to Kansas City, a one point favorite, and it's backed odds makers into a corner as they're just reacting to a lot of the information that we all are as sports bettors. Mm-hmm. And the total is up a touch from where it bottomed out at 46.5 to 47.5. If Mahomes were to be a full participant both today and tomorrow with no setbacks, I can see a scenario where this number leaks out even further in favor of Kansas City, but I don't think we're going to see this point spread touch a key number unless he's officially ruled out, which would mean that the Bengals would end up being right around a field goal favorite. So how do you look at that one with the fact that Joe Burrow has now been, he's 3-0 against the Chiefs in his career, and the fact that the Bengals looked really good last week, where are you leaning in this one? So you mentioned the Bengals, and there's no doubt you can't dispute what the scoreboard has told us. Three wins against the Kansas City Chiefs in calendar year 2022. But the way people talk about the Bengals' mastery of the Chiefs leads you to believe they're winning those games by three touchdowns plus, running away and hiding before they get into the fourth quarter, not talking about them in three games that the Bengals have won each by exactly three points and have required fourth-quarter comebacks in all of those. So Joe Burrow and company going to be extremely confident going into Arrowhead matchup against this Chiefs defense. But the Bengals on the other side look a little bit different offensively this year than they do last year. They're more methodical. Uh, Their touchdown drives are going eight plays instead of about six and a half uh, from as far as yards per touchdown. You're looking at a shorter distance because they don't have some of that big play potential with the way teams are looking to defend them. When I look at this game, I think if Kansas City's got a shot, they have to come out with their best game script early. That ankle could progressively get worse for Patrick Mahomes, whether he gets rolled up on, whether the frigid conditions create a little bit of stiffness. So I'd be looking at Kansas City in the first half, and you have to shop around a little bit for a price. Uh, I would not want to lay a half. I know it sounds like a minuscule difference, uh, but try and find the Chiefs at a pick them. I think that's the best bet as far as the side is concerned. And if this total continues to climb a little bit, I'd be looking to go under the total. I think both these defenses are going to be very prepared for this game on Sunday. Todd Furman joining us, of course, from Bet the Bet, Bet the Board podcast. Check him out there. 
for more information. But, Todd, um, I'm curious, is the play here, is there anything to be gained from, you know, we know everyone's got apps these days that they work off of. Is there anything to be gained from live betting this one where you can actually see Patrick Mahomes go out there and see if he's at all mobile or if you see that he is somebody who looks like he's hindered because of the ankle injury? Would you, you know, is that a play where you would advise the listeners out there or do you think there's something to just kind of like going off of your gut feel on this one? No, I think it definitely makes a ton of sense. Utilize everything at your disposal, especially this time of year where the markets are extremely efficient. And if you feel more comfortable watching a couple series to see how Patrick Holmes looks or what the Bengals are doing defensively, it could lead you to a much more profitable situation more so than trying to guess how he's going to look or how the Kansas City Chiefs are going to approach this from an offensive standpoint early in the game. So I can understand people's desire to try and get involved before the game kicks off, uh, but oftentimes valor is the better part of disc- or discretion is the better part of valor, as I butcher that phrase, and waiting to watch maybe even a quarter of this game or halftime could give you a little bit more upside in the betting market. So I think that is an outstanding way to kind of look at it, more so than rushing to the window with a bet. I think the bloom is off the Kyle Purdy Rose and with the impressive victory that the Philadelphia Eagles had. I expected this line to be out a little bit further toward four and a half instead of where it's at. Two and a half. So everybody's taking everything into consideration. Are 49ers the obvious play here? I'm not going to go obvious here, Yerk, but I will say at a field goal, that'll be the side that, that I'm looking to try and bet myself. I'm not sure the market is quite going to get there. You saw initially support from professional bettors when this game opened right around a pick and minus one, laying it with Philadelphia in hopes of getting ahead of the market. You mentioned you know, some of the struggles we saw from Brock Purdy. He's gone out there and answered the bell as far as wins and losses, but I think this is going to be his biggest challenge to date in hostile territory across the country with a defense that probably hasn't garnered nearly as many headlines uh, as they deserve when you look at their gaudy sack numbers at 70, 15 better than the next closest, two cover corners, uh, and a team that has really been difficult to move the football against consistently. But the other thing about it is, are we buying into Eagle stock at the top of the market, knowing that they beat up on a Giants team that was a little bit undermanned? I think people became probably too enamored with that Giants offense, uh, given what they did to the likes of the Indianapolis Colts and the Minnesota Vikings, not once but twice down the stretch. So it's a little bit of buyer beware there. Uh, I think this game is going to be fascinating because I'm not sure how Kyle Shanahan devises a game plan to attack Philadelphia defensively. We know he's going to need to be more aggressive than what we've seen in each of the first two playoff games where the 49ers kind of went through the feeling out process. You try that here and Philadelphia continues to have those first half explosions, specifically in the second quarter that we've seen all year. And I'm not sure Brock Purdy is going to be able to erase a double digit deficit. So should be a great game to watch. And like I said, my buy point would be if this number got to a full field goal, have not invested insider total in this one just yet. Todd Furman joining us here on Carmen Yerko Meller in for Carm today on ESPN 1000. All right, Todd, so is there any historical data that can be looked at when it comes to conference championship games? We know historically when you look at like the Super Bowl, oftentimes there's a slow start for teams because it's just not your usual game game flow. You have to wait longer than usual to get out in the field and then there's usually some anxiety and nerves that play a factor. Is there anything that you can look at from a historical point of view for conference championship games or is it just, you know what, they're different teams every time out and so it's it's just there's nothing that can really be gained yeah nothing that i would use to kind of create that justification to get to the window and plunk down a bet but i can give you a little bit of historical precedent that we're going to see this weekend that hasn't happened all that often both conference championship spreads currently sitting right now at two and a half or shorter 
would mean it's the third time ever that both conference title games have a spread under a field goal. The last time it happened was back in 1997. When you look at the 49ers and Bengals, both could potentially close as underdogs despite coming into their conference championship game on win streaks of 10-plus games. That's only happened five times since 1970, been a playoff underdog in those spots. The previous five teams to come in with that role, just two and three straight up and two and three ATS, but the last three teams that have come in on a 10-plus game winning streak and found themselves listed as an underdog, both lost and did not, or all three lost and did not cover. More food for thought than anything else about market perception and all the things that are factoring in. Uh, but again, no reason to go, hey, look, that's the trend I'm latching onto, and that's all I needed to hear to try and go bet Team A or Team B. Todd, do you think there's anything to be gained when you look at, okay, some of these future bets? Like, of course, right now, the Eagles are the slight favorite to go ahead and win the Super Bowl. The Kansas City Chiefs right behind them and the Bengals. Is there anything to be gained from the future bets at this point, or do you just say, you know what, I'm looking at the conference games here? Yeah, nothing in my opinion uh, right now. When you look at how tightly bunched those teams are, you're talking about the favorite right around 2-1, to one, depending on the book. It can be a variety of different teams. And your long shot price right around 3. And that's just further illustration of how tightly contested this is going to be come Sunday. And, of course, whoever emerges to play for the Lombardi Trophy two weeks from this Sunday in Glendale, when you go through some of the projected point spreads as far as what Super Bowl lines would look like, uh, I don't make any of these teams more than a one-and-a-half point favorite, regardless of who their opponent is in that particular game. And that's a lot of what you're seeing here. The reason Philadelphia is a two-and-a-half point favorite, you make them a one-point favorite or thereabouts on a neutral, building in a little bit of home field. And, of course, the Patrick Mahomes ankle issue is heavily impacting the Bengals' number because if all things were equal there, you'd be looking at Kansas City more than a field goal favorite in the spot, despite the fact that Joe Burrow has, comes in with that 3-0 record against Mahomes. All right, Todd Furman, so what's your best bet for the weekend here? You know what, guys? Extremely tight uh, on a lot of these markets. Um, we actually uh, try to go into the prop markets to encourage folks to check out the Bet the Board podcast. I know one of those numbers is on the move. Uh, but I'll go with Kansas City in the first half. And again, my cutoff would be a pick so shop around. I know not every book has that available. Uh, I think you're going to see Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy really d- dig down deep into their bag of tricks. And if they have anything, they know that they're going to want to play with the lead early on. Uh, and I think this Chiefs defense is being undersold as a unit. So look for them to ride the momentum. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes playing to his skill set early on. So I'll take the Chiefs to go into the break with a lead. I got something for you in the Pegasus, okay, on Sunday. I like it. Fire away, Eric. What do you got? White Aberio. White Aberio. <laughs> what kind of price am I looking for on the opening line? You're probably going to get about 5-1, to 6-1 to one on him. And he's 4-4 four for four in his last four at Gulfstream Park. Look for Proxy to be the morning line favorite at 5-2. to two. I like it. I like the approach. And, Yurk, in your absence last week, I tried to delve into a little international football. Went to Copa del Rey, gave out a side in uh, Villarreal that was up 2-0 at the half, only to see Real Madrid score three unanswered in the second half. So I needed you back here. Thought we were going to have a nice live dog there, plus a buck 15. Uh, never fun when you watch a live favorite of 1-20 to 20 crash and burn in that yeah. kind of situation. Tony Cruz and Luka Modric on the bench to start that one, too. Interesting scenarios at Real Madrid today. So uh, we will see what we got. No Premier League, though, to really delve into. Yeah. So i got to defer to you for Bundesliga and everything else, all European football. Yeah, I'm we'll with ha- you, brother. We'll have to wait till uh, next weekend for the Premier League to return. As always, Todd, we do appreciate it. If you want more from Todd, check out his podcast, the Bet the Board podcast there for you. As he mentioned, lots of great props that they uh, dived in on. So check it out. Uh, Todd, as always, we appreciate it, man. 
Hey, always a pleasure, guys. Enjoy the games. And you know what? For uh, Carm, who I know isn't there, taking care of some medical procedures, this seems to be a quite drastic step to go the colonoscopy route just to get a Thursday to himself away from York. But I understand it from time to time. The sacrifices people make. It was an odd choice to schedule it uh, during uh, football season. You're right, Todd. But well, uh, you know what? I mean, hey, to Carm's credit, at least he knew the Bears weren't going to be playing this late in the season, so it wasn't going <laughs> to conflict any schedule-wise with that. Oh, you know what? Since you brought it up, what about uh, what's the latest in regards to the draft market, the first overall pick? Who's the favorite? Uh, you know, we've seen a little bit of movement. Will Levis's numbers have shortened some, um, but that obviously doesn't indicate they'll be the direction that the Bears will go in. going to be crazy to try and watch because, obviously, if the Bears keep the spot, I don't think it's going to be a quarterback. But knowing all the glaring needs that the Bears have, I think you have to take whatever haul you can get, make somebody overpay. Uh, and if it's the Colts, good chance it could be Will Levis. Although uh, the way that they're trending right now with Jeff Saturday potentially being the front runner for their head coach, I wish them nothing but the best of luck. And hopefully you can get poor judgment not only on the field but also in the front office to benefit the Bears going into next season. Uh, man, from your, uh, from your mouth to God's ears, Todd, we do hope that's the case. Todd Furman, as always, we appreciate it. Always a pleasure, boys. Have a great weekend and enjoy the games. Again, you can check out the podcast, uh, the Bet the Board podcast, and follow him on Twitter at Todd Furman, F-U-H-R-M-A-N on Twitter. I'm Jeff Meller in for Carm. If you missed it earlier, about a little less than an hour ago, we mentioned a uh, programming announcement. Black and Abdallah are going to be on Sunday live during football and leading you up from 1.30 to 5.30, right? We've got the Awana Bet. Black and Abdallah spectacular going on on Sunday, guys. Yeah, one thirty five thirty. We'll be here talking football, gambling, props. We'll uh, preview the first game, which kicks off after two, and then we'll uh, preview the second game. So the NFC AFC Championship games, Championship Sunday. We'll be here for you. It's all brought to you by FanDuel. You can listen to us on ESPN one thousand, the ESPN Chicago app, the. Uh, FM 100.3 HD2, and of course, watch us on Twitch. It's all brought to you by FanDuel. Absolutely. You know I will be doing that on Sunday as I watch, listening with my guys, Black and Abdallah. All right, up next, the Buffalo Bills general manager, Brandon Bean, had some interesting comments I want to explore with Yerk about those Cincinnati Bengals who will be playing on Sunday. We'll do that next. You're listening to Carmen and Yerko. Listen to us now. Live on the ESPN Chicago app. Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Meller in for Carm today on Carmen and Yurko. Of course, it's Thursday, so shame on me because I did not get to Pauly Cheesecake. We got to get his picks here. I do want to share uh, Brandon Bean's words too. So, Pauly, what's going on? Hey, man? listen. Listen, Yurko, yeah. I go home I go home Saturday from our rehab. Beautiful. Hope you're feeling better. Oh, I, I'm feeling like a hundred bucks like Caddyshack. Beautiful. Yes. Uh yeah. I had Gabby, Erica, and uh, Bridget help me out. Oh, I can imagine. She did, Polly. Oh yeah. boy, I yeah. Right. yeah. Like five. And I made a cheesecake for them too. Good for them. All right. Yeah. How much I did you charge? I went two and one last week. Congratulations. All right. You only got two Thank games you. this week. You gonna are you gonna play a, a number here, Paul? Or are you just gonna give us two picks? I'm gonna give the picks. All right. Fire away. I'm taking. I'm taking the Bengals. Okay. And I'm taking the Niners because I just have a feeling. Got a feeling. Yes. So you are going to take the Bengals right now, who are getting one point. Currently, and the, and the Niners and the Niners and the Niners are taking the points there as well. So you're getting two and a half. Yes. 
Yes. All right. All right. All right, Paulie, we yes. got you down, my man. And like I said, I'm happy to go home and, uh, you know, just, you know, feels real good. We hope you feel better. Yeah, get uh, get oh, some rest in your own bed, Paulie. And, and, and then, listen, I'll call back in two weeks right before the Super Bowl. Can't Perfect. wait. We we'll, we'll, can't we'll, wait. We'll slot you in, all right, Paulie? And and from home, too, which is even better. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Sounds okay, good. Sounds good. Okay. All, all right. right. Thanks, all right, Paulie. Paulie Cheesecake, right. as always, gives you his I, picks here. I wonder how much Paulie charged the girls for the cheesecake. They were helping him out. You're, yeah, they were, thanks. They were, Appreciate it, guys. It'll be $35 They They were rehabbing. All right. Uh, Buffalo Bills GM yesterday, Brandon Bean, was asked after their very disappointing loss to the Bengals if there's anything they could learn from the Bengals' roster construction. This was his response. No, they have a good team. I mean, um, they right now are on the advantage of a rookie quarterback contract. And, you know, they had some lean years and – without getting too much into their build and you know I don't want to I don't want to suck bad enough to have to get Jamar Chase like he's a heck of a talent I'd love to have him but you got to you got to go through some lean years to do, to do that and you know they you know they were able to get Burrow one and I don't remember where Chase was drafted but it was pretty high like and those guys are on their rookie deals we're paying Stefan Diggs pretty hefty number we're paying josh allen a pretty hefty number so there is the constraints of the cap i love the uh the rich people problems they're paying stefan diggs and josh allen pretty hefty numbers on the cap and yurko also by the way i don't want to suck bad enough to have to get jamar chase the Bengals selected jamar chase fifth overall when they did back in 2021 now there was lots of remember discussion about whether or not they should be taking jamar chase i know a lot of people thought panay sewell would have been the better selection for them and they were wondering if you were just you know grabbing joe burrow's running mate at lsu and maybe if it wasn't going to work out i think you have to give the Bengals a little bit of credit for knowing that jamar chase was the right selection well, they had boyd right they had boyd and they had t higgins they had t higgins also correct so i mean you really there's some riches at the wide receiver position and that's why they were kind of criticized right. that's why they're looking at him hey let's get a guy that's going to protect his uh, backside for the for for his life Mm-hmm. For the whole time he's going to be there, the better part of 10, 12 years, that would make a lot of sense. But I think Jamar Chase has lived up to the bill. Oh, no doubt. But you do have some duplicity there. So somebody, Boyd or Higgins, is going to end up being sacrificed at some point when you've got to pay Jamar yes. Chase. Somebody's got to go then. Well, listen, I, I'll tell you what. Boyd will be gone. Boyd will be gone, and they will move on and try and find a third wide receiver, and they won't think twice about it when they come to that decision. Or if Boyd goes, you can pick up Lazard, or you can pick up Juju Schuster-Smith. Or, or, or they'll draft somebody. Right, or they'll draft somebody who's Listen, young and cheap. When, it, when you've got Higgins and Chase, I think yeah. whoever's you know your slot wide receiver, the luxury. they'll be okay. They'll figure it out. But I just you just got to love the... I don't want to suck bad enough to have to get Jamar Chase. It's interesting because the Bears, you know what? Justin Fields, soon enough, it's going to be here before you know it. If he is the guy, they're going to have to pay him. So they'll all of a sudden have the problems that – and listen, we should, it would, let's hope that that's the worst situation, right, Yerk, where you're talking about, oh, right. we've got to pay Josh Allen. We've got to pay Jamar and Chase. And we've got to sacrifice some of our tremendous talent to be able to do it. We hope the Bears we'll get to that point, We'll see if they can ever right? get there, yeah. But it's definitely rich people problems, that's for sure. All right, uh, up next, we've got the final word for you. We're going to cross-talk with Waddle and Sylvie here in just a second. But as always, the final word is brought to you by Bath Planet. Yerko, your filthy fingers have the final word. Carmen and Yerko present today's final word. Because you had to be a big shot, didn't you? You had to open up your mouth. Today's final you word. Had to have a 
Wood. On Carmen and Yuriko. After you no. lick your fingers. I'm a finger licker, man. Okay, that's Your fingers weird are too. orange. Yeah, it's weird. Go wash your... Instead of washing your hands, Chris gives you some napkins, and all you do <laughs> is put your hand in your mouth. I spit on it.